I'm Tom Weaver, director and evangelist with Rock Solid Ministries, a free North American revival ministry. You're listening to the RSM podcast, Just Preaching Program. Today we have a Christmas message for you, preached recently in Okalona, Mississippi by Rock Solid Ministries evangelist, Greg Strickland. Now let's go into the worship services of Okalona Christian Church. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Matthew chapter 2. One of my favorite passages, really, of when we talk about the Christmas story and the things that uh, go on in the, the Gospels, at least, that happens. And, and I'll go ahead and ask these questions, but I know that Y'all here at Oklahoma are Bible scholars enough that I'm not going to trip you up this morning with these questions. All right? I might ask these questions to some other congregations. They're kind of trick questions, and they might not get them, but I know that you would. So I would ask maybe other places, how many wise men were at the manger when Jesus was born? That's right. There weren't any. See, you knew that. We know from uh, Scripture, we can kind of surmise, it says that Jesus was at a, a house. They came and visited him in a, at a home when the wise men finally showed up. And so they weren't at the manger. And I know we, we like to set them around the manger scene, don't we, in our nativity scenes. And that's, that's a reminder of all the things that happened, but not exactly for real. And then we might get tripped up by the question, how many wise men were there? The answer is we really don't know, do we? We always assume there was three. And the song in the hymnal says, we three kings of Orient are. And so if it's in the hymnal, it's got to be right, right? <laughs> but we know we really the Bible doesn't really say how many wise men there were. We just assumed it was three because there was three gifts, right? The gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. So that, that must have just been three. But not really. We know there was more than one because it says plural, but there might have been two or three or twelve or I don't know how many there were. But these, these magi, as they might also be called, these wise men, they're some of the mysterious men of Christmas. We don't really know a lot about them outside of our traditions like that except what their names suggest that they were learned men, that they were seekers, that they were astronomers. They'd seen a star in the sky, so they knew about all those kind of things. But the Magi, and, and maybe this is why we really don't know that much about them, the Magi aren't as important as what they found, right? Or who they found. What they found was exactly what they were seeking, they found what they were looking for. They were looking for a king, weren't they? A prophesied king that these learned men had heard of, a king of the ages. And this king, while he came somewhat undercover in disguise, these, these magi show us that if you're looking, that even that baby in a manger was a dead giveaway for the king of creation. But you had to be looking. A king was entering the world, and like I said already this morning, he was entering the world in the midst of worldwide political and economic turbulence. We certainly see that today, don't we? When we think about it, we sometimes 
we kind of forget about the power of our God and we're, we tend to worry. Anybody else here ever worry? I'll, I'll admit to it. We maybe kind of wring our hands. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what we're going to do. But they were there seeking what they should have been seeking. They were looking for King Jesus. And what a shame it would have been for these men with all their wisdom and with all their learning and with all the planning that had gone into their lives and the lives of so many others if they had missed the king they were looking for. And yet, for a lot of people during this time, that very thing happened, didn't it? They missed Jesus. They missed the king. And that's Matthew's focus. As Matthew writes for us, each of these gospel writers, they have a different focus in what they're trying to show us, a different dimension or a different facet, like a diamond, if you will, about Jesus and his life. And that's why they're sometimes similar, but not all the same. And Matthew is writing to tell people that Jesus is the king. That's why he starts off with the genealogy there in chapter 1, the one that we kind of like to skip over, you know, begat, begat, begat. But it's important because he's making a case that Jesus is the king. All the prophecies he shows us fulfilled as he begins the story of how Jesus is the king. And now events in chapter 2 show us how people missed the king, even still. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Look at that with me, would you? It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, there's the house, not the barn, not where Jesus is in the manger. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray together. Father, again, we, we ask that as we come to your word this morning, that you show us these the missteps that many people made and missed Jesus. And Lord, that we pray that you'll help us not to miss Jesus, not this Christmas season, and not ever 
in each and every day of our lives, Lord. Let us acknowledge and receive and know Him as King. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first man we see missed Jesus because he pretended to be someone that he was not. He pretended to be someone he was not. In verse 3 there, Matthew calls this man King Herod. Now, you need to understand that when Matthew wrote this, he kind of says King Herod kind of tongue-in-cheek because Herod is not the rightful king. Who's the rightful king of the Jews? It's Jesus. He's already pointed that out to us, hasn't he? He's already gone through that whole process in chapter 1 and shown us that the real king is Jesus. He's traced that line. So we understand that when Matthew says or talks about this King Herod, he kind of does it with a wink and a nudge. The guy they called the king. Herod isn't even a Hebrew. Herod, Herod the Great was an Edomite. His daddy got him the title for him, married him off to this Jewish gal, and when he became the king, he killed off all the people that might threaten his throne, and he gave away lots of food to the poor so that his throne was secured. Politicians kind of still do that today, don't they? They get rid of the people that are against them, and they get the poor people to vote for them. That's kind of the way that it works. Herod was a man, though, with a mask. He wore two faces, and he didn't care to be exposed. That's why it says there in verse 3 that when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Or maybe your version says that he was disturbed by what he heard. Why? Because he was threatened. He thought he'd gotten rid of everybody that might have lay claim to the throne. And so it says there in verse 7 that he secretly inquired of them and secretly ascertained from these wise men all their knowledge because he wanted to suppress the truth. He didn't need word getting out about this. And then he lied and he said, I too lied about his intentions. I want to worship him too. And when he found out that the wise men had tricked him, verse 16 says that he was furious with what had happened. Herod did not know God. He only knew about God. He didn't care about God. He just cared about himself. He wasn't looking for a king because he thought he was the king. And so it is with a lot of people today. Even people who go to church every week. Many of the folks that go to church every week know about God. There's a whole lot of people that know about God. There's probably even more people that know about the Christmas story. Any of us that ever saw Charlie Brown at Christmas know the Christmas story, thanks to Linus, right? Who gives the soliloquy about Christmas and reads it to us from the, the Gospel of Luke. There's a lot of people that know about God, but they don't care about God. They care only about themselves because they are the king of their lives. It never ceases to amaze me the people that we run into, men and women all across the country, who when you tell them, but the, the Bible says this, who say, but I don't care what the Bible says. Now they would say that they're Christians. They say, I don't care what the Bible says. 
because they are the king of their own lives. The threat of Jesus' interference in their life, the threat of truth, will cause them to suppress the truth, to lie about the truth, or to attempt to destroy the truth. Let me tell you, folks, I'm not the king. Aren't you glad about that? And you're not the king because Jesus is the king. Amen? And if you continue to pretend that you're something you're not. Now listen, nobody's asking you to live a perfect life, but we do want to say, quit wearing the mask. Quit pretending to be the king of your life when you're not, or you will miss Jesus as king. He'll be the king of your life and insist on the throne. So don't pretend to be something that you're not. Let me tell you, if you've never met Jesus in baptism, quit pretending that you're a Christian. If you're living one life outside of the church and a different one inside the church building, quit pretending. You're not the king Jesus is. Get under his authority. If you're caught wearing a mask, you'll miss the king. The other people here miss the king because they followed somebody that they didn't even like. Do you notice there in verses 1 and 2, it says that uh, wise men came to Jerusalem saying, or maybe your version says that they asked, but saying is really better because it wasn't just that they came and they asked one person. They were going all about town, maybe door to door, business to business. Hey, have you asking? They were seeking over and over about this king, this that they were looking for, this Messiah. And nobody knew. In fact, that's how Herod found out, right? They heard that these, these guys were going around and they were asking continually about this. And uh, first, remember Herod's uh, uh, reaction. He was disturbed, wasn't he? Now, do these people like Herod? They don't like Herod. Herod's a terrible ruler. He doesn't care anything about them just so long as he gets everything that he wants. And so you might reason that these people are going to be excited now that the real king has shown up. They'll be able to get rid of Herod and they're ready to worship and accept a new king. But look at what the Bible says there in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and what else? And all Jerusalem with him. Everybody was upset, not just Herod. What in the world? Why would they be upset? Two reasons, I think. Human nature is this, that when it comes to real change, we'd rather just complain, wouldn't we? We'd rather complain about things than actually change. It's a little bit easier for us maybe to go with the flow, even if it's something that we don't like. It's, it's more comfortable. We're more familiar with this way of life. So let's just do what we've always done. That's easier. And then there's the other thing that when Herod got disturbed, everybody was going to be disturbed. You know, y'all heard that phrase, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, same applied to Herod. And we get down here to verse 16, and what happens? It says that when Herod... When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. If he was going to be threatened, somebody was going to pay. 
Boy, I tell you what, no matter how much you didn't like Herod, you would have been disturbed, wouldn't you, for this man to go about doing this. They might have loved to react with joy, but maybe they felt trapped. But perhaps this is the most ridiculous way for us to miss our king because people are willing to miss the king for the same two reasons today. It's easier to complain. It's easier to complain than it is to take steps. This is the way that I'm living. It's all I've known. It's my habit. I'm comfortable, so we're willing to suffer. And second, like Herod, when good things happen, guess who still gets upset? The devil does. The devil gets upset by our choices to do what is right. There's a movie out now that Laura and I just went to see the other night. It's called The Shift. And there's a, it's a sci-fi movie, a sci-fi retelling of the book of Job. So that sounds weird enough, right? And there's a lot of it that I thought, well, that just don't make any sense. And it just, you know, it wasn't the greatest uh, movie of all time by any means. But the theme and the idea was pretty good. And in the movie, the devil comes to the guy who's Job, so to speak, in the movie And he's sitting across from him at this table in a cafe. And he says, the guy just starts praying. And he says, if you make this choice not to serve me, if you make this choice to continue to serve God, he says, I am never going to leave you alone. Will that make you think? To know that choosing God Rather than just going ahead and go with the flow, I mean, everybody seems to be going this direction. Would that stop to make you think, well, if I choose God, if I choose to continue walking in faith with Jesus, would it make a difference when the devil says to us, I am never going to stop being after you. I'm never going to let you go. Yet the movie made the point that all these people who succumbed to him ended up living terrible lives. And that's the way that it always goes, isn't it? Listen, in this world, you're going to suffer. Isn't that right? Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So why not have trouble because we're following Jesus rather than following the devil? I'd rather have trouble because of righteousness than unrighteousness. If we would quit pretending and we would... Go ahead and bow down to the king that we have. We would have revival in our lives and in our churches. And we'd have a faith that is able to endure difficult times. If, but if we're so locked into the world that we're willing to follow people, ultimately the devil, that we don't even like. If we're willing to follow somebody that hates us just to have some peace, we're going to miss the king. And the other way folks missed the king was that they memorized Scripture that they didn't really know. Look at verse 4 again, would you? Herod, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it's written by the prophet, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Herod and all Jerusalem got shook up, and Herod called in his own wise men. 
Well, that's kind of astonishing. Why? Because here's all these people. It wasn't just the out-of-towners, these kings from out of town, that knew about Jesus. All these people around in the community every day knew the truth about the coming Messiah. They all knew the scriptures. They lived in the same town there where it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born. They prayed every day for the Messiah to come. They had all the right answers. You know, it never ceases to amaze me that when we visit from church to church, we're sitting in Sunday school, and if we're even asked a question about how something might apply to our lives, but, well, how do, we, how do we apply this to our lives? How do we change our lives? This is what people say. There's three acceptable answers to that question. Read the Bible. We need to read the Bible more. That's a, that's a good answer. We need to pray more. That's a good answer too, right? And somebody said, well, we need to go to church more. And you know what? That's about the only three answers that I ever hear people give. Those are just the right answers. We've never really gone beyond what it really means to live out our faith in our families and in our communities. It's like the... The story I heard about the Sunday school teacher, she was teaching Sunday school, and she asked the children there in class, she said, now, what's short about this tall and brown and furry and has a long tail and eats nuts and acorns? And the little boy said, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm sure the answer is Jesus. Because this is what we've been taught to expect. These are the appropriate and acceptable answers. And we know all the right answers, but we don't know the right questions. It's like having the answers to a test on a piece of paper, but you don't know where they belong. They memorized the scripture. They knew what it said, but they still missed their king because they failed to really live it out in their lives. It's, it's it maybe the most dangerous or the most ridiculous, it is the most scary because most of us as Christians will come into church week after week after week. We sit through Sunday school after Sunday school after Sunday school. You know, somebody said Sunday school is the only school you never graduate from, isn't it? There's a lot of people that sat in Sunday school year after year after year but never graduated and taught anybody else anything. We know all these things, but without doing them in our lives, we continue to harden our hearts until we miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. It was the night before Jesus came. And all through the house, not a creature was praying. Not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that the preacher wouldn't visit there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And Mom in her rocker with Baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, 
tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes did appear? But angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth bright as day, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of His face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning just like He said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw Him in spite of myself. In the book of life which He held in His hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as He searched for my name when He said, It's not here. My head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love, He gathered to take to His Father above. With those who were ready, He rose with a shout, while all the rest were left standing about. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I'd waited too long and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I'd been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life. And when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. Be sure to tap the like and follow buttons on your podcast engine so you won't miss any of our Just Preaching, Just Music, or Frontline Servants programs on the RSM podcast. Also, if you would, please share our podcast with your friends and co-workers in Christ and on your social media pages. We'd really appreciate that. To learn more about Rock Solid Ministries, our free revivals, online services, and printed materials, visit us at rocksolidministries.org Again, rocksolidministries.org. Until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down His blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.